Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber with Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And we're here every week with the Bishop Strickland Hour. You can check us out on our website, vmpr.org, and check out all the other shows that we do. Bishop Strickland, thanks for joining us today. It's an unusual time. We're both very busy. And uh, today's show, we have a special guest, a friend of yours, a friend of mine, who's been on your show, Bishop Athanasius Snyder. We're going to bring a little clip in, and we'll talk about what he has to say. And we're going to be covering the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and we're going to talk about some of your tweets. And hopefully, at the end of the hour, people are going to say, you know what? That inspired me to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. Because if that doesn't happen, then we're wasting our time. Because it's not about Bishop Strickland. It's not about Terry Barber. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. So let's get a, a clip from Bishop Athanasius Snyder on with regards to Holy Communion with Nancy Pelosi. And I thought it was a, a clip that uh, showed great compassion for the salvation of her soul. Mr. Engineer, play that clip. Here in America, we have the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, who's baptized Catholic. Archbishop Cordelion uh, told her she cannot receive Holy Communion because she's promoting the killing of unborn babies. And not just promoting it, I mean, she's really promoting it. And she thinks that she can still be a good Catholic and promote killing of innocent life. And the Archbishop, thanks be to God, said no. That's not the case, and many other bishops, like Bishop Snyder, or excuse me, Bishop Joseph Strickland, and others around the country said, no, she can't receive in my uh, diocese either. But just this week, she received Holy Communion in Rome at a papal mass and uh, visited the Pope. And it, we, as lay people, go, something's wrong here. And I hear people say to me, I'm so stressed over that, it upsets me. And I tell them, don't be upset, make reparation. But I want to hear from you. Thank you for your answer, because I am agreeing with you. I would also say first what we have to do mm. when we state uh, such horrible things in the sanctuary of the church, we have to do reparation as first reaction to console our Lord, who is so horribly outraged in this holy sacrament with this objectively uh, um, a sacrilegious act which this lady performed in the most holy place of, Christ, of the Christianity in the Basilica of St. Peter in the presence of the Pope. He was present. He did not give himself the Holy Communion, thanks be to God, but he was present. I mean, and, uh, and to such a person who publicly, as you repeated, advocates and promotes the horrible killing of innocent children, unborn children, it's incredible. The first um, who is getting disadvantage is not, as not we, even though we are suffering because we are suffering because of Jesus Christ, we, we love him in the Eucharist, we love him, and therefore we are suffering that he is so uh, in this case, uh, outraged and uh, and with this blasphemy and sacrilegious acts, this can only provoke in us a suffering because we believe and we love him, Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So, that this is the first reaction. But also, uh, who is getting the most um, <laughs> negative impact 
and consequences of this act is she himself, Mrs. Pelosi. She is the poorest one in all this horrible scenario of this sacrilegious communion. She is the most whom we have to have pity of her soul because she is consciously, uh, stubbornly eating her judgment. Imagine. And after they shoot the Vatican release a, a strong statement of condemning this act, they did not this. And therefore, those in the Vatican, they are culpable. They have the guilt to damage this soul, to push her farther, further from God, to push this soul of Pelosi closer to damnation, to a possible damnation, to, to do their, her personal judgment before Christ more horrible. And who is he responsible, more responsible, the churchman in the Vatican? Ultimately, the Pope, who is doing nothing in this case, and he is seeing as like this soul is going consciously and publicly to her perdition, to her uh, condemnation. Uh, the other case is that with this permission de facto and silent and without nothing saying, the Vatican, the Holy See and the Pope are in this case um, approving this, this act. This is very grave. So we have to make different acts of reparation also, not only for Pelosi, but also for those in the Vatican who permits this. Wow, what love he has for Pelosi's soul and what love he has for the salvation of souls in general. Bishop Strickland, I, I know that this has been a concern of a lot of bishops, and that is um, you know, just trying to keep the uh, perspective of of our love for the Eucharist and how we have to prepare to receive Holy Communion. And I, I just wanted to get your take on how Bishop, Strick, Bishop Snyder had such a love for Pelosi's soul that he said, have, have pity for her. I thought that was a, a very insightful thought. Your thoughts on that? Well, I agree, Terry. And really, I think these kind of episodes that have seem to happen all too often, we need to see them as opportunities for catechesis mm, and remembering. And Bishop Schneider is uh, a great supporter of proclaiming the truth of our faith. Yes, there are a couple of truths here that are that it's an opportunity to clarify for Mrs. Pelosi and for every Mr. and Mrs. and no. man and woman young person, every person in the church, we need to be very clear um, what this raises for me is, as I've said before, uh, you know, I get to be a broken record, but okay. we need to repeat, do we believe it or not? Do we believe that wh who she is receiving is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity, and he suffered and died for Mrs. Pelosi and for every human being on earth through all the ages. And to 
flagrantly promote sin, promote murder, promote death, and receive the Lord of life. That is almost impossible to even fully understand. It it goes beyond fathoming how this woman can be so deluded. And if she doesn't really believe that it's the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, for that reason itself, she shouldn't receive. And it, you know, people talk about it being politicized. She's the one politicizing it by ignoring what her own pastor told her, what her shepherd, Archbishop Cordleone, had the strength and the faith to call her back to the truth, and she ignores it. Um, and, you know, say, oh, well, it's out of his jurisdiction. All of that is a smokescreen for saying it's not that big a deal. It's huge. It is, it is a, a life and death matter for Nancy Pelosi and for any person who wantonly receives the body of Christ. If they really believe he is there, what an act against our Lord who suffered so much in order to free us from sin and for to be on one hand promoting sin flagrantly, as you said, vehemently, yeah. energetically promoting the sin of murder and then receiving the Lord of life. It just boggles the mind how this fits into one picture of reality. Well, beyond that, I mean, it, it really gets to the question of do we really believe yeah. that killing a child in the womb is murder? You know, I think absolutely <laughs> the actions of Nancy Pelosi indicate she doesn't believe that. Yeah. But what else is it if if it's not the taking of an innocent life? Uh, what is it? Um, and it's 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 just so tragic for this woman, as Bishop Schneider points out so well. But it's tragic for the church. It's tragic for human society, because these episodes serve to convince people that we don't know what we're talking about and that we don't really represent what the church teaches. I don't claim to be anything but one bishop guided by the catechism. All you have to do is read a couple of paragraphs of the catechism, and it's clear. This is what the church teaches, that small host of unleavened bread is really the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. And the lives that she's promoting the murder of is unborn life that is sacred from conception to natural death. That's the catechism. Wow, it's nice to hear two bishops speak with such clarity and charity and the concern for the salvation of souls. That's part of your job description, though, I might add. So thank you. When we come back, we'll have more on the Bishop Strickland Hour on Virgin Most Powerful. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Hope you enjoyed Bishop Athanasius Snyder's comments and Bishop Strickland's comments. 
Bishop, I noticed everything you say, Bishop Snyder says, I interview him once a month now uh, regarding some of his books. And I just want to give a plug. Uh, he has a book called The Springtime That Never Came and also a book called The Catholic Mass. We have them both on our website. You can go to vmpr.org and order it, or you can call and order it by calling 877-526-2151. I bring this other topic up to you because it's the same concern, the salvation of souls. And what I have is the UK, you know, United Kingdom Health Agency says that 99% of the monkeypox cases are from homosexual men. And our own CDC says, saying that, that homosexuality isn't the blame for monkeypox. Monkey and uh, I say this because I have more of a concern for people who are my friends who have same-sex attraction to encourage them to work through this and be celibate. Just like uh, as it, when I was unmarried, I was a celibate man. I didn't fornicate because I knew that was offensive to God. And now that I'm a married man, I'm not going to commit adultery because that's offensive to God. So when we tell men who have same-sex attraction, as the Catechism says, that you need to not act on those desires because it's bad for your soul, but also on a natural level, you know, drinking is way too much for people, right? Okay, that's something. don't drink so much because it could be bad to your health. Well, active homosexuality, it shows that it's bad for your health. Um, we know from suicide, we know from AIDS, we know from a lot of these cases, uh, the monkeypox came from uh, people doing, uh, you know, doing immoral things we call homosexual acts. And so, Bishop Strickland, as a bishop, it seems to me that many of you got many of you guys, many of the bishops are afraid to offend somebody to tell them the truth. What would you tell somebody who is a, because I've met him, lots of people here in L.A., who have same-sex attraction, who are trying to live celibate lives, and they say they can do it, but it's through the sacraments. My question to you is, um, can you clearly, with lovingly, share what your comments are to a man who says, look, I'm a homosexual and I want to act on these? How do you convince him that this is not something he should be doing for, number one, salvation of souls, and number two, his health? Well, really, Terry, certainly in the area of sexuality, as we've talked about before, yeah. it is the narrow road that the Lord has revealed to us, that the church has taught through the ages. Right. And I've been doing some research for some talks. I mean, the Didache, mm -hmm. which is one of the most ancient documents of yep. the church yep. of, you know, the earliest centuries, and it says very clearly what we're talking about. And not condemning anyone, but condemning the sins exactly. that harm us. Right. And I think that we both know very well that there the the sense of sin and the understanding of what is sin. Yes. It's it's as if it's a bunch of rules yeah. that the church made up, and people are saying we don't like those rules, and we we want to change all those rules. Sin is violating the reality that God has created. Amen. It, and certainly the the volatile issues revolve around the sin of lust and, you know, the sexual sins. Of course. <clears throat> and certainly they can be mortally 
destructive to our lives. Any sins against chastity and, and lustful sins yes. destroys marriages, destroys yep. lives, promiscuity. Yep. It opens up to all kinds of diseases, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual. Any prom promiscuous sexual life, you're open to diseases, you're open to damnation, you're open to a lot of destructive reality. And really, Terry, I think what we, because there's such a lack of understanding of the reality of sin and treating them like they're a bunch of rules that we can change or <laughs> take it or leave it, it's getting to what reality is. The seven deadly sins, yep. lust, greed, gluttony, wrath, sloth, envy, pride. You can look at each of those and they can have, as you pointed out, natural consequences that harm us and supernatural consequences that put us in the the threat of eternal damnation. Yeah. That's pretty serious stuff. Yeah. And every one of the seven, that's why they're the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. They're not the seven problem, problematic issues. They're the seven deadly sins because they destroy us if we let them run rampant in our lives. And all of us can be tempted to that. That's right. I mean, look at gluttony. Look at the the obesity epidemic, the overeating epidemic in our world. It causes, I mean, a doctor will tell you. I mean, even with the COVID-19, with all the confusion and the complexities of that, they talk about comorbidities. Yes. And one of the worst is being seriously overweight. Certainly, people can have conditions where it's very difficult for them to keep a reasonable weight, but it's always tied to, I mean, whatever the condition is, and again, not judging anyone, but looking for their eternal well-being and their natural well-being, even in this life. A doctor will tell you, limit your food intake. And, and manage your weight in the best way you can. Gluttony, greed. I mean, look what greed does to people. Yeah. Uh, it, lives are destroyed because people want more and more and more. The most wealthy people sometimes end up totally destroying their lives because they just want more wealth. And it, it takes over. It's like a demon. Each of these deadly sins. And we could go through the whole list. Sure. But I guess my point is yeah. that it's not just the sins against chastity. I mean, those are especially volatile, especially problematic. Any sexual promiscuity opens us up to diseases and threats to our everlasting life, threats of damnation. Whether we believe it or not, it's going to happen. Yep. And the, you know, certainly uh, we have to be compassionate. Amen. It's a struggle. As as many people who have serious weight issues, sometimes they seem to find it impossible. And God's compassion, God's mercy is there for all of us. If we fall prey to one of the deadly sins and it, it really just overtakes us, God's mercy is there, but we have to be working against it. And I think what is the problem in today's world is people are told, oh, God's merciful, but there's no 
second point of saying, but work against your sinful inclinations. All of us have them. All of us are tempted. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We all fall into sinful things. We have sinful inclinations. If we let them go and we don't fight against them, they literally can destroy us. And we owe it to humanity. We owe it to our brothers and sisters. It's, as I've said many times, the greatest charity is to share the truth. And if that truth is deeply challenging and people reject it, well, people rejected Jesus Christ and he's truth incarnate. He's the very face of truth. And the world rejected it. And many people were cheering it on as he was being crucified. He wasn't ultimately eliminated the way they thought, but it, it's just the, the age-old battle that keeps replaying itself. And out of real compassion and being real believers, we have an obligation to speak the truth. And ultimately, come what may, we have to speak the truth. Like I talked before about um, blessed... Miguel Pro. Augustine Pro, Miguel Augustine Pro, or Augustine Miguel Pro. Um, Viva Cristo Rey. Long live Christ the King. And we have to proclaim He is our Lord and Savior. He loves us. He offered His life for us. He rose that we might know the, the possibility of life everlasting if we will choose His path. And the loving thing to do is for Nancy Pelosi or for Harry Jones or for whomever to call them back to the path of truth, to do it lovingly, compassionately, but with vigor, just as vigorously as people are promoting death and destruction. We have to promote life and the love of Christ, our Savior. Well said. You know, Father Bill Casey taught me many years ago, he said the most merciless thing to do is to let someone wallow in their sin. And sometimes I think shepherds, fathers, mothers were too silent. I use the analogy of me as a father. If my boys were living a life that was detrimental to the salvation of their souls, I have a moral obligation to tell them to knock it off, first of all, for my love for them, because I don't want to see them in a bad place. So I'm going to give them instruction. Even as adult children, I tell my boys what is going down here. And I think that as a bishop, the analogy of a father, you're a spiritual father for especially your diocese. If you don't tell your children, because I'm talking about spiritual children, to knock off bad living or sinful uh, sinful uh, ways of living, then I don't think you're doing your job, Bishop Strickland. But obviously, I see you saying just that, that, you know, I love you so much, even if it might offend you, you might take it the wrong way. I'm still willing to tell you the truth because the truth is what sets us free. And I just want to say that I appreciate that in you and Bishop Snyder and other bishops that say, look, I'm not going to put my finger up and say which way is the wind blowing. I'm going to teach the perennial teachings of the church. And that's the key. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do that, I need to promote something I haven't done for a while, your, your institute at um, your diocese. Can you tell us a little bit about that one more time, please? Sure. The St. Philip Institute, stphilipinstitute.org. Um, great resources, some great young people and families of faith that are working on 
faith formation and marriage formation and and all the the very basics of how we rebuild this society in the truth of Christ. We've got to catechize. We've got to evangelize. We've got to be on fire with the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what the St. Philip Institute is all about. Teaching the truth. We desperately need the truth in the world today. A big amen to that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I've got a tweet from Bishop Strickland. It's a teaser. It's about St. Paul. If he were alive today, what would he tell us here in America and his diocese, our diocese, all around America? You're going to like that. Again, if you want to listen to some of the older shows, even we have an interview with Bishop Snyder and Bishop Strickland together, go to vmpr.org and just look on the podcasts of the Bishop Strickland Hour. You can see other shows also at that point. When we come back here on the Bishop Strickland Hour, we're going to send a tweet out that he sent out back in June 21st about if the Apostle Paul were alive today. Stay with us. You won't want to miss that here on the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We're going to be getting to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. But before we do this, I have a tweet here on June 21st. And I like your sense of humor. He said, a little humor for these challenging times. St. Paul, pray for us. What, were, what you were referring to is this. If the Apostle Paul were alive today, and check this out, folks. This is, there's a lot of truth in this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus to the churches of the United States of America, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't even really know where to begin with you guys. Uh, Bishop Strickland, (laughs) when I read that, I said, there's a lot of, where do we begin with the church in America? Give us your thoughts on why you sent that out. For more than humor, I imagine, because there's a lot of truth in it. Well, that's the way it is with most humor. When it's humorous, it it touches a nerve. It it speaks some truth. Yeah. The reality is things are so confused Mm -hmm. and so um, messed up. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I think, you know, St. Paul wrote a lot of strong letters, Mm. and they need to be read now and and read as if they are addressed to the Church of Tyler and to the Church of San Jose and to the Church of wherever um, here in the United States. We need to... We really need to read those letters and apply them to um, to the world that has gone awry in ways that, you know, are pretty extreme, are very extreme yeah. in comparison to what St. Paul was addressing. Um, there, there are a lot of things that we need to, to listen to. So there is a, a lot of seriousness there, but um, I can imagine St. Paul... Sometimes, even in his letters, he sounds a bit exasperated with the people. And I think he would be quite exasperated with what we see, as many people are. Yeah. Um, we've got to, and, and St. Paul was very clear about who was Lord, Jesus Christ, and following him. I mean, with his conversion experience, he reminds me, Terry, of the 
the modern day Catholic converts. I often yeah. speak to converts. I'm a cradle Catholic. I think you're a cradle Amen. Catholic. Amen. Of course. We <laughs> are, are trying to wake up and, and crawl out of the cradle and, and teach <laughs> some truth. Amen. But many of the converts, I mean, like Dr. Scott Hahn is a prime example. Yeah. He, as an adult, went on a very arduous journey to embrace the Catholic faith. And they are a strength that we need to celebrate and we need to to learn from. I've learned a lot from the converts that I know. Yeah. Because they have studied. And I mean, we joke about it sometimes. But when someone, how many times have we both heard people tell the stories that I set out to prove how wrong the Catholic Church was? Oh, yeah. By studying, yes, they study themselves right into the Catholic Church many times because the data is there. Yeah, the early church fathers, yeah. the the time when cre- uh, Scripture was being formed, uh, the basic doctrines that are there, the Didache, some of those documents. Really, the more you read them, you more the more you say, and I think we all agree, it's remarkable that the church. It's supernatural (laughs) that the church is still here as broken and as corrupt as she has been through the ages. And that's a proof of the the reality of the church. It's very human, but it's also holy and guided by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have to, to hang on to. But, you know, that's what that little tweet, really all of that, is what I'm reminded of is we've got to be very strong in the truth that St. Paul was strong in. And it's really not a joking matter. We've got to be, we've got to know the truth that sets us free, that guides us, that helps us live our daily lives and helps us to have hope for eternal life according to God's plan. Well said. And that's why I always said we got to go back to basics. And the fundamentals of our Catholic faith, because after doing, you know, working in evangelization for 42 years, going around the country, I realized and from the very beginning, I said, Catholics don't know their faith. So if we don't know the faith, how can we live that faith? That's why when we started this show a couple years ago, I asked you, can we go to the catechism of the Catholic Church and just have you teach the fundamentals? Because I think it's valuable. And so that's what we're going to do right now, Bishop Strickland. Paragraph 293, you don't own a catechism, get one. And if you don't can't get one, call me, I'll get you one. Because everybody needs a catechism in their home. And this is something, just as you study scripture, study the catechism of the Catholic Church, because it'll give you clarity on so many of the issues of the day. This is uh, titled, The World Was Created for the Glory of God. Now, let me preface this, Bishop Strickland. We live in a world right now where um, they have this AI um, this is um, artificial intelligence they're promoting and saying that we're creating um, another God. In other words, our own God in our image. It seems diabolical, in my humble opinion, because we're replacing God with a computer, and that's going to give you your meaning and purpose, which I think is a big lie. I think we need to go back to the scriptures, go back to your catechism, and understand the true meaning of life, and that way you won't be disappointed because... Let's be honest. Those computers aren't going to last. They're going to be gone. Everything's going to be gone on this earth at some point in time. But what will last is your soul. That's why we're here at Virgin Most Powerful to help you get to heaven. 
So here's paragraph 293. It says, Scripture and tradition never cease to teach and celebrate this fundamental truth. What's that fundamental truth? Here it is. The world was made for the glory of God. As St. Bonaventure explains that God created all things not to increase his glory, but to show it forth and to communicate it. For God has no other reason for creating than his love and goodness. Creatures came into existence when the key of love opened his hand. And this goes back to the first Vatican Council. It explains this. This one true God of his own goodness and almighty power, not for increasing his own beatitude, nor for attaining his perfection, but in order to manifest his perfection through the benefits which he bestowed on creatures. That's us with the absolute freedom of counsel from the beginning of time made out of nothing, both orders of creation, creatures, the spiritual and the corporal, the body. See, when you realize that if God stopped thinking about you, you would cease to exist. Your thoughts on paragraph 293, Bishop Strickland? Well, I, I really agree, Terry, that it, it gets to some of the very basic roots of what what is. Yeah. What creation is, who God is, who we are. And we're so uh, far from that yeah. as you talk about artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, it's very artificial <laughs> and it can be often not intelligence at all. Yeah, really. Because... Real intelligence is understanding the world was made for the glory of God. Amen. Um, it comes out of God, and it's meant to go back to God. It, it says uh, the world was made for the glory of God, and we are created for exactly that purpose as well. Amen. And I think it's a it's something that we really need to remind ourselves of and to continue to preach Talk about fundamentals. Yes. It's as fundamental as it gets to remember, why do we exist? Yeah. You know, kind of like the uh, the Baltimore Catechism, yeah. to know, love, and serve God in this life and to be happy with him in the next. That's why we're here. It's all about giving glory to God. And gradually, hopefully, we learn, if we grow in wisdom, we learn that that is what gives us fulfillment. That's what gives us peace. That's what gives us happiness. That's what gives us joy is ultimately giving glory to God. And we live in a time when the basic message of society is the opposite. Yep. Um, you could say the anthem or the, the proclamation of our world is the world was made for the glory of man. <laughs> and the more we go down that path, and yes. ignore God, the more destructive it is. And we can see that destruction unfolding all over the place. And so this is about as fundamental as it gets. And the great thing, I mean, as the first Vatican Council, uh, well over 100 years ago now, really speaks of what it's about, that God is the creator of all, spiritual and corporeal. 
body and soul yeah. of everything. I mean, we say it in the creed, everything seen and unseen. Um, and that is what we need to remember in all the efforts of artificial intelligence and, and all the ways that we try to play God. It, what's what really, really I'm reminded, Terry, no. it's kind of like, why do we sin? Because it looks good for that moment. I mean, it's against our nature. It's against logic to to just say, I'm going to go sin because it, it looks terrible and it's not attractive and I just want to harm myself. That is, I mean, people may be able to get in that twisted state through sin and through the brokenness of our world. But what is basic to us we look for what is good. We look for what is beautiful. We look for what fulfills us. We choose sinful things, whatever it is, because it looks like for the moment that it will fulfill us. But when it is contrary to creation, contrary to the giving glory to God, which is ultimately what every act should be about, every good act is about giving glory to God, when it's contrary to that, it may look good for a while, but sometimes very quickly, but whether it's quickly or slowly, it catches up with us and it's not good at all. Well said, Bishop Strickland. I think of the world as the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I, and Christianity is all about Jesus and giving myself to him. Stay with us, family. We'll have more on the Virgin. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I can't believe how fast this hour goes when we talk about our Lord. And it just amazes me. We're in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And what this Catechism does is it clarifies really clearly what the Church teaches on any particular topic. So I want to encourage all of our listeners, if you are in church and you hear something that says, you know, just, I'm not sure if this makes sense, look it up in the index, look it up, and find out what the official teachings are. Because sometimes in the past 40, 50 years, even priests don't teach correctly what the church has taught because of either for bad formation or maybe they just don't believe because this is the age we're living in. And that's why every Catholic should own a catechism of the Catholic Church. Paragraph 294, <laughs> talk about the glory of God. It says, the glory of God consists in the realization of this manifestation and communication of his goodness for which the world was created. So now you know why the world was created. God made us to be his sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to praise of his glorious grace. Well, that's rich right there. For the glory of God is man fully alive. Moreover, man's life is the vision of God. Wow, that's just profound. If God's revelation through creation has already obtained life for all the beings that dwell on earth, how much more will the world's manifestation of the Father obtain life for those who see God? And I like this last sentence. The ultimate purpose of creation is that God, who is the creator of all things, may at last become 
all in all. Oh my gosh. Thus simultaneously assuring his own glory and our beatitude. Bishop Strickland, you could spend a whole hour on that paragraph. Absolutely. Probably more than an hour. I would think. And I, I love that quote from St. Irenaeus, yes. and we just celebrated yes. a, a martyr in the early church yes. and a great theologian. Yes. The glory of God is man fully alive. That um, is really something worth pondering. Mm. And it, it reminds us of everything we've been talking about. Um, the glory of God is man fully alive. And when we succumb to sin and pretend that sin is a-okay and we change the rules, we're diminishing ourselves and we're not giving glory to God. We're, we're giving glory to evil and destruction. Ultimately, it can take us that far. Yep. Um, the glory of God is man fully alive. What a wonderful affirmation. I mean, we talk a lot about uh, in today's society of affirmation of people and welcoming and accompanying and all of that. The glory of God is man fully alive. And in order to be fully alive, we need the truth. Amen. And there doesn't seem to be enough emphasis on sharing the truth. It's more, let's just share whatever we're thinking, whatever you're thinking. And that's fine to a point. But all of that, certainly, we need to, to reach people where they are, to go as we're told. And, and I absolutely embrace what, what Pope Francis talks about, going out to the peripheries. Absolutely. We don't need to stay in little isolated conclaves where we don't reach out. But we have to reach out with the truth. And too many times it seems to be forgotten to. We go out to those who we listen to, but we don't call them to be fully alive and give glory to God. It's, I mean, using that St. Irenaeus quote, the glory of God is man fully alive. It's like we're all operating at maybe just something over 50% alive or 60%. And we're satisfied with that. We should never be complacent and satisfied with just sort of getting by. Oh, I haven't, I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> That's a pretty low bar. You think? We're called to perfection. We're called to glorify God. And to be fully alive is to more and more turn from death and sin. I mean, it all ultimately is literally personified in Jesus Christ. He is the fully alive man, also the Son of God. But he is fully alive, and that's the drama and the passion that is is so significant, I, I can't put it into words, that the fully alive man dies for us on the cross. Jesus Christ is that man that St. Irenaeus speaks of. He gives glory to God, his Father, by being fully alive as a man who lived in this world. And to destroy that, it's, it really captures what sin does in us and how destructive sin is for us and for creation, because when we think we're 
destroy when you know the first century leaders of the world thought they were destroying the son of god they were really destroying themselves i mean it saint irenaeus really gives us much to ponder and to remember that for me to be fully alive for you to be fully alive means that we work to eliminate any vestige of sin and therefore death in our lives and that is a lifetime challenge too many people aren't taking up that lifetime challenge and we're either complacent with being mediocre or we're ignoring sin period and just saying we're going we're imagining being fully alive is the more we can move away from what god has revealed to us and that is being fully dead ultimately you know bishop strickland you just while you're preaching on that and i'm loving it i'm thinking of saint paul because you talked about him you know we die to self and i like the way scott hunt gave a little commentary on that he said you know, we give God our own very life on this planet. We say, Jesus, take my life. I want to do your will. I reject myself and all my selfishness to turn my life over to you. And then what does God promise us? Eternal life for all eternity? Bishop Strickland, this little life that you, we're in our 60s. Last time I looked, we're getting close to judgment. And so what we do on this planet affects where we're going to be for all eternity and you let's say it's just good time management to say you know what i reject all my selfishness i reject my inclination to sin i reject it and i say jesus i give myself to you let me do your will whatever that will is and when we do that it seems to me bishop strickland that life has so much more meaning than saying i i i i i'm going to do this i'm going to do that no, any good that we do comes from God, and we thank him for it. So my question to you in these last moments, we have a couple minutes, the value of giving yourself to Christ. I know our Protestant brothers call it an altar call. I actually like the idea that people say, you know what, Jesus, I'm willing to give you all I have because I believe everything that you've revealed because I want to be with you for all eternity. How do you approach salvation with people do you, do you think it's a good idea to tell them it's all about dying to self absolutely and really what occurs to me terry is we need to approach receiving the body and blood soul and divinity of jesus christ as an literally an altar call amen every time we receive him it should be with a deepening resolution to turn from sin and to live the life of grace, to be fully alive, to give glory to God. That's the altar call at every Mass. And going back to what we talked about originally, when we're ignoring all of that, to approach the altar, to approach the receiving the body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, when we're not even attempting to be fully alive in yeah. God's grace and God's plan, it that is reaping destruction and damnation on us that's just the reality it's being fully dead and not fully alive walking around looking alive but being empty in in heart and soul um it's it's extreme and we need to be very clear that the altar call of life mm. is a constant 
repentance and seeking reparation and atonement for all the ways that we haven't repented and we the the scars that our sins leave behind um but you know your words about an altar call really inspire me to recognize i mean i'm a priest and i approach that altar daily sometimes more than once a day and i need to approach that altar call as every day a deepening call to reform my life to turn from sin and to live more deeply a life of grace and be grateful to the mercy of God that gives me another day in order to do that. And we've got to call people to that no matter what the resistance, no matter what the threats, no matter how much pushback there is, no matter how much even within the church people are saying you should be quiet and quit speaking up so much. Um, we've got to speak up. Out of love for God and love for humanity. All I can say is a big amen, brother. I mean, Bishop Strickland. The reason I say that, I love when you just, you preach from the heart. I have to say something, too. Um, you know, we talk about our children because, the, as St. John Paul II said, the way the family goes is the way the culture goes. I have my grandson this week with me. He gets up early for some reason and <coughs> sees me in the kitchen praying and he comes and sits in my lap and says, Grandpa, I want to pray with you. Now, he probably doesn't, at two and a half years of age, he probably really doesn't get the idea, but he puts his hands up in the air above his head, folds his hands, and he's praying. Now, i got to think, Bishop Strickland, that that's very pleasing to our Lord, that this little boy at age two and a half is going to pray. Now, why do I say that? Because don't be underestimating the children. You, your example to them is profound. They're going to pick up what's good or bad. So challenge your children to pray with you each night, especially the family rosary. Bishop Strickland, how about a blessing for our radio audience, please? Almighty God, we ask your blessing for all of us as we listen and speak about the wondrous truth you've revealed to us. Help us to bring glory to you by being fully alive. And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God, folks. All of Bishop Strickland's shows are on VMPR, Virgin Most Powerful Radio podcast. Uh, tomorrow, next week, we've got Bishop Athanasius Snyder on Tuesday's Terry and Jesse show. You won't want to miss that. And much, much more here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you so much for your support in proclaiming the teachings of Christ and His church, the perennial teachings. God love you and your family will see you again, God willing, next week.